0: Um. morning church it's good to be back i missed um a lot of things actually while i was away um normal food cheese on burgers i'm not sure about those kosher rules i don't think i could do that for that long a little bit strange. Um, for those of you who are visiting with us, or um, I've been away for um, a couple of weeks in Israel on, as part of a study tour. Um, in, with my master's degree, I had the opportunity to go um, on a fully funded uh, trip to, um, they call it archaeology of biblical lands, but um, there was minimal amount of archaeology involved and lots of um, Jesus stuff, but that's great. Um, so. Uh, I will, from time to time, I guess, over the next uh, few weeks, share bits out of that. So I'm not going to give you the, um, you know, four and a half hour, 40 slide uh, description or anything like that. But um, if you follow me on Facebook or something, you uh, you would see have seen some of the pictures and things like that. And I'm going to attempt, as I preach, not to download too much, like, I, I think I could... Um, It's sort of opened up so many of the things that I read about and um, that I've, you know, come to a certain level of understanding and then now sort of seeing things as they are uh, opens up. It's like one of those keys, you know, when you start to learn about the history or you start to learn about the language or, you know, all of these things are keys that we can uh, access And the amazing thing about the Word of God is, you can read it at face level, and God can still speak to you. And then you can learn and grow in your understanding, and God can speak to you again, or at a deeper level. You know, so it's like it's accessible to all, but it's never ending. You never, you never reach a point where you know and understand it all. So, um, I'm going to share a little bit in um, the theme of our uh, of this month of freedom. Um, and my message title this morning, and it's not going to make any sense until um, until I get into it a bit, but if you title your page, Don't Let the Dead in. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not talking about those creepy clowns that are knocking on people's doors. Um, <laughs> social media, if you're aware. Apparently, there's clowns around. People dressed up as clowns. It's a thing. I don't know why it's a thing. But if you're not a fan of clowns, then... Um, I think some people are being freaked out, but anyway, <laughs> I wouldn't let one in if they turned up at my door, um, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit out of the picture of the land of Israel and, um, and the Jordan River. I'm going to speak some more next week as we do our baptism service uh, on some... Uh, some keys that come out of that washing in the Jordan River and the um, the crossing and, and some stuff like that but this morning I want to show you a few things in the word so the Jordan River is a river that runs from the north end of Israel uh, from a place called Dan all the way down to the southern end of Israel and it's incredible when you see the land you need to understand that it is a literal desert the entire like people like people who who love israel will tell you you know it's a land of great diversity and there's there's so much of like you know they've got everything from snow to like desert and mountains and yes but it's all desert seriously it's all desert um, there is there but there's these pockets of uh, of green and the majority of them are centred around this Jordan River, which is basically lifeblood to the nation. The river runs, um, the incredible thing about this river is that it actually begins in the mountains when the snow melts and seeps through the porous rock and it comes, it goes, hits the layer of bedrock that's not porous and runs horizontally uh, towards the lowest point um, on earth, by the way, that's not under... Beneath the ocean is around the Dead Sea which is also at the southern end of Israel so this water flows gradually towards this point and it hits the bedrock flows across and then eventually just comes out of the rock so you're in a place where it's absolutely dry there's no, no apparent source of water and then these streams of water gush out of the rock and you, if you've read the Bible stories, you know Moses struck, was in, like, instructed by God to strike a rock and water came pouring out. Well, that's a completely viable uh, thing to happen when this is what occurs all around um, the northern end of Israel. And so around these springs, there's life. The water that comes out is so cold because it's melted snow that it's like you imagine being in 40 degree heat when we were in the dead sea uh it got to 42 degrees and it's not even the hottest point hottest time of the year there at the moment they say it's not uncommon for it to get to 51 52 degrees outside um and it's quite common for it to be in the high 40s so you imagine even in the north end of israel it was hot we were walking around and it was like 30 plus every day it's not. It's the other end of summer. It's like coming into um, their rainy season, and it was hot. You imagine this water pouring out of the rock that's ice cold, like it's come out of a fridge. It doesn't make like it doesn't make sense. But then when you read something like Isaiah forty three and verse nineteen, and God says to His people through the prophet. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The animals in the fields will thank me for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. See, prophetically, they're getting this word that God is going to do that in a spiritual sense for his people but they could already see that he'd done it in the natural for them. So this life flows out of the rock and the, the from different points in the north and eventually join together to form the Jordan River. And what happens is when you get to the end of this river, you find the Dead Sea. Does anyone here, um, been to that area of the world. Has anyone here heard about the Dead Sea? You understand that it's so, um, so full of uh, minerals and salt and um, contaminants that actually it's super saturated. You can't, um, nothing can exist in this water because it's so um, so dense that if you go into it as it's actually more dense than we are as like so you you float on the top of it um so you you can't actually put push your limbs down into the water it's quite dangerous I had no idea it looks all good you know in the postcards where everyone's floating around and it looks like fun apparently if you face plant accidentally and the water gets in your eyes you can die It's really intense. Like, So there's warnings all over the beach and there's like first aid stations, like washing stations and stuff. Like do not get, don't, you will end up in hospital if you um, accidentally, for people who are really good at falling over randomly, that's a scary prospect. Um, <laughs> there's always that one person as well that you're with. So we were constantly watching this one guy that tripped over on the beach on the way down there. We're like, this is not going to end well. But. You've got to go in, right? It's a really, it's it's a really crazy feeling. But the the thing about this water is nothing can live in it because it actually can't contain oxygen because it's so uh, densely saturated. The question I ask is, how does something that's so fresh and clean, through it's not a huge country by the way, get to the point of being? like the thing known as the Dead Sea because it's so the opposite of like being able to contain life that nothing, not, even, not a single living thing exists in it. It was great swimming in it because I don't like things creeping my feet and so I was like there is nothing that's going to get me unless I trip over. Um, so life becomes this Dead Sea at the end it's actually interesting. I found out while we were there that the towns around the Dead Sea—they, uh, like 90% sure that the towns they found there are the ones that were um, Sodom, Gomorrah, and some of the um, some of the other five that are mentioned in that story. And there's also um, geologists have studied the area and found that there's a phenomenon that happens in the area where gas escapes because it's like volcanic activity and stuff like that. Gas escapes and in the extreme heat, it can ignite and appear like fire is raining down on the earth. So, this is the place at the Dead Sea that some of the imagery that's used in the Bible that is describing what hell is like, this is, this is the place that that imagery is drawn from. So life and something life-giving gets corrupted and polluted so slowly and gradually and then eventually becomes the Dead Sea. There's a place on the way halfway where they know Jesus got baptized still there was church, a church built there not um, many generations after so they fairly sure when that happens when it's dedicated so soon after you imagine if you know um, someone dedicated something you know in our local community you know only 30 years or 70 years after it happened you know that probably they people still know that that was the right place, right? So there's a place where where Jesus got baptised, but now it's actually so polluted you can't go in the water there. The Jordan, all the way through, there's things that are happening that contribute to it becoming completely different to the water that pours out of the rock in the northern end of the country. It reminded me of the picture of the Israelites in this story you read, they, they're they on the right track, they're worshipping God, God's blessing them, they're winning battles, they're, they're on the right track, and then something comes in, they allow the wrong thought process, they start to worship other gods, they start to um, allow greed, and things come in, and they stop worshipping God, slowly their worship is polluted, and something that was life-giving actually becomes the curse, and God's uh, judgment comes on them and then things ha- like happens over and over again right if you've read the old old testament stories and here's something that i learned while we were there is how that actually happened i always wondered you ever, ever wondered how the uh, israelites got it so wrong like if you read it come on guys like within a generation they've completely lost the plot god's done something incredible like bought them out of egypt And then like they completely lose it and they're worshipping a cow like five minutes later or what it seems like when you're reading. But what happens is the fertility idols and the fertility gods are huge in the country and when you're standing in a dry, barren wasteland you can understand how farmers got desperate when the rain was late. It all came down to prosperity. See, when... When the rain was good, when the land yielded lots, the farmers did well. When the crops were good, the towns prospered. When everyone did good, even the temples and the places of worship prospered. And so if a person was worshipping their fertility idols instead of worshipping God because they wanted the rain, you can understand how logically you jump to that out in the desert. You know, we, we easily come to a place where we start to rely on things instead of God. In our moments of desperation, we forget to pray and we turn to something that maybe we shouldn't. In a moment of depression, instead of crying out to God, we turn to substances. In a moment of desperation, we try to do things our own way instead of turning to God, right? So you can see how they get to that point. And then they bring it into the temple and see the temple priests aren't, aren't immune to that either, and so by allowing them to worship their gods in the temple, they get more of the temple tax because, you know, they want more people to come in, so they allow them to worship their gods there too because then they get more of the income. And you can see how within a generation they've turned from worshipping God to building pagan statues in the temple and worshipping rocks or images whatever it was in the land at that time, becomes corrupted. Just like that water where little bits of minerals break off and get washed down, where things die and the contaminants get washed into the water, where things that are coming up out of the ground and allowed into that water start to contaminate it and it becomes something that once gave life, becomes the image and the picture that is death. It's amazing how we can see these pictures in the Old Testament, in the Bible, and think that we'd never be capable of doing that. You know, we serve God and we want to do what God's called us to do And he's given us a dream and that thing which God has placed on your life and called you to do that is pure and life-giving, not only to you but to those around you. It's like the spring that comes from the rock, right? You know that when God speaks to you, and you start to do what he's called you to do. You start to actually act on that thing that God has spoken into your heart, and you do something that God has challenged you to do. How life-giving that is for you, but it's also life-giving to all of those around you. But how easily it is corrupted. And so as we speak about freedom, I just wanted to Paint this picture and show you this because we're going to talk in, over the next two weeks about dealing with the enemies that come to keep us captive and dealing with some of those things, but it's the enemy within that keeps us captive first. It's allowing these little things in that come to steal from us that which God would do in your life. So, as we are given this thing by God, this gift of vision and purpose and we start to act in that, but then we think we can just do, you know. So here's here's one for you, I think it's an attitude I'm seeing a bit around the place is, well, we can do good things because God has called us to love people. So I'm gonna feed homeless people and I'm gonna welcome the refugees and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be a good person But, you know, I'm not going to lay down, you know, the thing that I know God has told me not to do. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stop getting drunk. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop, you know, swearing. I'm not going to stop, you know, all these things that, but it's that little bit of corruption that becomes something that pollutes the pure thing that God is doing in your life. And I've seen how it it looks like nothing. Like, how's that going to affect? I can still be a good person. I can still do what God's called me to do, right? But those those words actually become an attitude slowly. Or maybe the money that you spend going out repeatedly becomes something that you prioritise instead of being obedient to what God is calling you to do with that money. Or maybe that little bit of attitude towards someone in your life, even though you're doing all the things God's called you to do, becomes something that actually hinders you from being obedient to God. And slowly the things that you allow that God said not to allow in your life become what corrupt the pure thing that God is doing in your life. And as we as a church, and you see it, I guess... Maybe we see it more from our perspective as church leaders, but you see these little things start to come and rob from the body of Christ what God is doing. Because a small issue over here and a small thing over here and a small bit of corruption over here, the Bible says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. You start to see these things creep in and actually stop and hinder God from doing what you know he wants to do. And so we've got to be aware of the things that come to corrupt the life-giving or the living waters that God has given us. The amazing thing, though, is that Jesus has promised. It's not a river in Israel The living water that he talks about isn't even the thing that God's placed on your life, the purpose that he's given you, but the living water is the relationship with him. And I'm going to read from John 4 and verse 14 where it says, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The incredible thing about these springs is they run year-round. doesn't matter what the weather's doing, it can be 52 degrees. The um, spring of Engedi is right down near the Dead Sea. It's not even just in the north of Israel, but all throughout the land, there are these springs that come up and bring life. Even in the worst of the worst, when you've let it all, he comes still to bring life to refresh. Even when you've made choice after choice to do the things that God has said not to do, or where you feel like you've let it get to the point where it's not even redeemable, he says, I come to bring life. How amazing is he? And ask the band to come. I was reading in James chapter 3 and 4, and I, I couldn't even pick out what to give you as a small... like. So go home and read it. Take it as homework. But it talks about the things that come to corrupt, and it even talks about salt and fresh water can't run in the same spring. See, God doesn't want our life to be corrupted by those things. That's why He's given us instructions. That's why He's shown us in His Word what He wants us us to do with our lives and how he wants us to live because he doesn't want the thing that he's given us the life that he's given us to become corrupted by these things right and it even goes on to show how it's greed and our want to do things our own way that brings that corruption but finishes by showing us that Jesus has given us the ultimate answer. He is the one who gives life. He is the one who refreshes. He is the living water. Would you stand, church? We've been offered life this morning. You have been offered life. You have been offered purpose and a reason to live. You have been offered a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never been in church. Maybe it's been a long time. Or maybe you've been sitting here every week, but you know you're in a place where you've allowed things to come in and corrupt that which God has placed on your heart. I don't need to point out what those things are because the Holy Spirit is the one that does those things. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you, you know, long before you have to read it in the word, you know what God doesn't want in your life. And if he's been speaking to you about something that you need to lay down, then I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to that but if you're in this place and you've never started a relationship with him you don't know what it's like maybe you feel like you're out in the desert in the dry places in your life and you've never known what it's like to have that living water on the inside that brings life to everything and purpose and meaning to every day when you wake up then I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to him I'm going to ask every person to close their eyes as people consider. Because this is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. You don't have to do it here in a church or do it the way that I'm going to explain. All it says is that you need to believe and receive and follow him. But I'm going to give you a chance this morning to raise your hand and pray a prayer and no one's looking around, it's just between you and God. But if you're in that place, and you know you need something, then maybe this Jesus is the answer. I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand. And after that, I'll give you a prayer to repeat. Is there anyone here that knows they need to begin a relationship with God. To accept Jesus and begin to follow him. Is there anyone else? He is the living water. Brings life in the barren, dry wilderness. If you lifted your hand or know that you needed to, Just repeat this prayer, dear God, I ask you to come into my life right now. I hand it over to you. I believe that you are the living water I need. Jesus, I ask you to come and show me the way. Amen.